The second reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. Jesus presented in the temple. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present, to the, to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. And our final reading today comes from Titus, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. can be found on page 844 of the Bibles in the chairs. Let's go. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. Well, I don't know about you, but we received about six handwritten Christmas cards this year. <laughs> Seems to be a trend that's on the wane. 
Um, I did also receive some from funeral directors and you know, uh, other things like that, but six personal Christmas cards. Um, can't complain though, because we didn't send any. Um, but we do love to, to get letters, don't we? We actually got one card that had the kind of family screed in, and that was from our, our friend from America, Malcolm, who often comes to visit the service when he's in town. Uh, and it was great to hear from him and read all the, the you know, bits and pieces of his life and his family. But that's kind of, you know, it's on the fall, isn't it? I love to receive a letter, particularly one that's got a handwritten, you know, my name on the front. Not one of those window ones with the type names, but a handwritten letter. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing to receive. And I'm not the only one. For thousands of years, people have received letters and enjoyed receiving letters. Uh, we, the Apostle Paul, we know, wrote a number of letters. And uh, some of them we have in, the, in our New Testament as scripture. And we're going to look for the next few weeks at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to, to Titus, um, his young friend and co-worker. And um, Paul wrote him this letter in order that Titus might be able to fulfil the ministry that he had. And as we look at that at, over the next few weeks, we'll see different aspects of Christian life and ministry and different focuses on life in the church that Titus was to address and hopefully that will uh, help us and encourage us as, as we look at our life in our church, in our context, um, as we go forward. So if you read the whole letter, if you sit down and read, like, you know, most, most letters you don't just read a couple of paragraphs and then put it down for next week, do you? No. So if you read the whole letter, and it will only take you five minutes, it's a small letter, it's only three chapters, um, if you read that, you'll, you'll find that Paul and Titus uh, had visited the island of Crete, um, the Greek island of Crete, together, and they had, done, they had gone there to preach the gospel. Interestingly enough, Titus doesn't get a mention in the book of Acts, so exactly when this um, journey happened, we're not sure. Some say it was after Paul was released from prison. Uh, it was one of his last missions. Who knows, but we do get we do get a picture of the fact that Titus is well regarded by Paul. They've done this mission. Paul has disappeared or, or gone off to Nicopolis, um, a city on the mainland of Greece, and he's expecting Titus to join him for winter in Nicopolis. Okay, so Paul has gone. He's left Titus with some uh, instructions about how, what to do and how to establish the churches. And obviously he's heard somewhere along the line uh, what's happening and he decides to write um, this letter. And in the letter he kind of charges Titus to complete the mission that, that Paul gave him. And that assignment was to establish these groups of, of Christians into churches, into uh, little groups of believers with someone who would lead and there's a, a great section in this letter about what the qualities of a leader are. And um, th there's, there are some issues happening in the church. There are some people who have not grasped the whole of the gospel and they are uh, teaching false, um, falsehoods. They're, they haven't got the message tr uh, right. There are others who are 
very legalistic and, and who are, are kind of leading the church astray in that way. So there are a few different issues that Paul is encouraging Titus to get on and, and fix and, and address. Interestingly, um, this letter is probably one of the most practical letters that the Apostle Paul wrote because over six times he uses the phrase good works. So, you know, around Christian circles, good works means what? The kind of things you do for Jesus, the Christian service you do, um, the way that you live your life in, in caring for others, your godliness. Six times in three chapters. I didn't, hadn't realised this before. It's really quite interesting. That that's the major number of times that this phrase is used in the New Testament. So Paul says to, to Titus, be an example of good works. Titus is told to call the church members to be ready for every good work. Twice, Titus um, is told to charge the church members to devote themselves to good works. And once he says that the church members should be zealous for good works. And then to round it off on the other side of the coin, Titus is to charge the members of the church not to deny their faith by being unfit for good works. So it's a practical letter. It's a letter about getting on and living the Christian life with intention, not just being a nice person, but to do the good works that are going to lead to godliness and uh, to the promotion of God's, God's kingdom. So the introduction of the, of the letter... Um, now, one of the things about Paul's letters, you know how when you, when you try and type something or write something, it, you use really formal, verbose language and it comes a really you know, big sentence or something and you think, I wouldn't say that, but I've just written that and I'm going to send that as an email and everyone's going to think I'm a geek or something like that, I don't know, <laughs> or I don't know English. But so, that's, so Paul's got this you know, propensity to write hugely long sentences. So the introduction... Um, you and I might just write, you know, Dear Titus. Paul goes, um, well, it was tradition in his day, starting off with who he is. But he gives a whole uh, four verses on who he is. And then he says, hello, Titus. <laughs> okay, so we're looking at um, how Paul actually introduces himself and how that impacts um, on the growth of the church that Paul is, is giving to, um, to Titus to be at work with. So he, so he introduces himself, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. That's, that's only part of it, but we'll, just, we'll deal with that first. So Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul uh, is not just saying that he is uh, a, a Christian who serves God. He is saying that he has been given a particular mission of service before God to be an apostle. And this is a big A apostle. You know, the, the word apostle means someone who's sent on another's behalf. So the word is not just used for the the, um, the 12 apostles of Jesus and then, and then Paul who actually saw Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. Uh, there's a special charge that Jesus gave to those apostles and a special empowering of God's Holy Spirit that he gave to those apostles 
that they might be able to uh, represent Jesus Christ before people because that's what an apostle did. You, maybe you had the seal of a king or you know, something important to show the authority. Paul is claiming the authority of Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's a pretty heavy start to a letter. Paul wants to remind Titus, and Titus is obviously going to let others in the church read this as well. He wants to remind everybody in the church that Paul has the full authority of Jesus Christ as he writes this letter. <clears throat> so God's people, he calls them um, God's elect, should actually listen to him because he is going to speak uh, the truth of the gospel. He's going to speak um, doctrinal truths, if you like, truths about God, truths about Jesus Christ, which he has begun to speak when he was in Crete, but he wants to, uh, to fill that out and to encourage the people, the Christians on Crete, to actually long after the word of God, to read that. Remember... Um, the people of Crete probably got no idea about Christmas. Paul and um, Titus visited them. They're not, they don't have a Jewish background. They weren't lo looking for a Messiah or anything like that. They're just going about their own life. And Paul preached the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is the only uh, form that they have it in a sense, in the words that the Apostle Paul has spoken. And he has given Titus the responsibility for speaking those words too. But Paul takes um, the high ground saying that he is God's apostle. He speaks the very words of God with power. And um, this is for the purpose of furthering the faith of God's chosen ones and their knowledge of the truth, which leads to godliness. So faith... Christian faith grows through the knowledge of the truth of God. And the way that you can see that that is happening is that life change happens and the person becomes more godly. So if you become a Christian, that, that happens by hearing the word of, of the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, and receiving the forgiveness of sins which gives you a new life, a new start, that you live out in obedience to God. So Paul wants to encourage the, the Christians in, in Crete to grow in godliness. And doing good works, is, it's, kind of, it's almost like the, um, interchangeable. You grow in godliness by doing good works. Doing good works shows that you're growing in godliness. Um, so... Uh, and all this comes from the knowledge of the truth, from the sound doctrine, the sound message that Paul had spoken as they, as they know that. So um, I want you to just take a bit of an inventory for a minute and think about your life. Ask yourself, are you determined to grow further in your faith and godliness? It's not a bad time to ask, is it? Because, you know, if you're into thinking about things for the new year, well, here's a start for you. Are you determined... You don't have to wait till January 1. You can do it now. <laughs> Are you determined to 
Grow in your faith and godliness in the next year. Because it's not going to just happen. It's not going to just happen. Paul told Titus what um, the, the, the Cretan church should do to actually grow in this uh, godliness and godly living. So how do you do it? Well, you make a conscious decision to put yourself in a place where you're going to receive the revelation of the apostles. Titus is to call churches together with leaders whom he can train to give uh, the teaching, the revelation that God has given to Paul to pass on uh, to grow the church. So are you determined to put yourself in that place? Daily Bible reading. So many easy ways to do that. Every day online I get a reading that comes through. There are all sorts of different resources. Are, are we prepared to, to spend the time to allow God's, um, God's gospel, his, his uh, true uh, and living doctrine, to affect our lives? Growth groups, uh, prayer triplets, mentors, whatever... You know, all those things that, that exist in our church in some form or another. Have you made a conscious decision that you want to be part of that? And have God's word spoken into your life? And finally, what about church attendance? Our intention here at church is to actually allow God to speak to us through the words of his apostles as we look at the scriptures uh, as the Holy Spirit applies his word to us. So what are your plans and intentions? The knowledge of God's truth, as revealed in Jesus Christ, should leave, lead to life-changing godliness. And we have to plan to actually be a part of that, as Paul calls Titus to plan and to act, to be a part of that. Now, as we look at this letter... It is a 2,000-year-old letter and the context in Crete is very different to the context in Balgala or Beacon Hill. But the principles behind that, like, you know, the situations are different, but the principles that God uses to actually grow his church and grow his people uh, are universal. They apply to all of God's people wherever. And we can learn... Um, from what Paul has got to say specifically to Titus, we can, we can learn uh, the principles that we can apply in our own life and that can help us rather than you know, thinking, well, we, we, we don't know what life was like in Crete, so surely it's, you know, it's a bit removed and a bit, you know, uh, what's, what the, what's the point? But the point is that God still speaks and we want to look at those principles. So this is, this is how it works. Paul says that he is the apostle of Jesus Christ, um, sent to further the faith of God's people uh, in the knowledge of the truth, so they will grow in their understanding of, of the uh, revealed scripture. This will lead to godliness. And then he says that this is in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised from the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me 
by the command of God our Saviour. So what he is saying here is that, yes, it is the preaching of Paul um, through the word of Christ that changes lives, but this is a unique time in history. And that unique time in history is because what God has been planning since before the beginning of time has actually happened and the people in the churches in Crete are benefiting from that and the people in the churches in Sydney are benefiting from that because at God's time, at just the right time, he sent the promised saviour, Jesus Christ. And through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have the hope of eternal life. We actually have the ability to experience partially what life with God is like now. And we are wanting to go forward into that fullness of the hope of eternal life. So with that said, the good works that we do are motivated by that hope. Okay, so if, if, you, if you see someone who's dropped something in an act of kindness, you pick up and give it to them. That is terrific. Um, and hopefully you, you've done that because your, your, your Christian life has just transformed you and you would automatically help someone. But that's not the kind of good works that, that uh, Paul is encouraging Titus to get the Christians in Crete to do. It is the kind of good work that specifically is focused on the hope of eternal life. Okay, so yes, we all need to show love and kindness and all that, but what good works will we do that are actually done with the intention of, of helping others and, and ourselves moving closer to this glorious eternity that we have with Jesus Christ? You see, that is what makes this letter... Um, so powerful even today because that is what the church in, in Crete needed and that is what we need. As I said, not doing the same things necessarily that they did but having the same focus. And don't you love the, the, the way that Paul has written this? We do this in the hope of eternal life which God who does not lie, God who keeps his promises... God, who the, the uh, Christian Christians may not know that well, but Paul is assuring them that he is trustworthy, he does not lie, and he has promised things from the beginning of time which he, which he is now bringing to light through the preaching of the gospel by the command of God. Is that worth getting excited about? Yes, it is, isn't it? It is. It is the, the time that, that God has prepared for us. And in a sense, every church uh, that has begun since that time has, you know, this message should have rung out loud and clear to them that their, their time, their hope, their opportunity has arisen. And uh, it's because they are, they are wanting to be the people of God. So with all the things that we get mixed up in, um, let me tell you, building a church is not a good work of God. Okay, sorry to tell you that. But we need the church so that we can do the good works of God. See, building the church is like that act of kindness of, of 
of meeting the need that is there. We need to have a base where we can go from. But if we don't actually uh, have our hearts grabbed by this future hope of eternal life, then we'll sit in our nice new building and feel quite cosy. But what will happen spiritually? As Paul encourages Titus, um, with, all, with all this, he is actually saying to Titus, the whole of history has been pointing towards this hope of eternal life in God's kingdom. And now you're a part of it and you can encourage other people to be a part of it. And, and that is really the message for us, isn't it? God is still working out that plan. He is still calling people to be captured by the idea of, of eternal life, of life with God, so that we can actually serve him in a way that helps other people experience that life. So after Paul has said this, he then says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Saviour. That's a beautiful rounding off of this introduction, isn't it? My true child in the common faith. Do you and I share the common faith of the good news of Jesus Christ? Personally, I know that many of you do. I don't know everybody here. But yes, we are children of God. We share this common faith. And is this knowledge of the truth... Uh, as we sit under the, God's word in various ways, is this knowledge of the truth showing the evidence of godliness in your daily life? And again, I know that for many of you it is. And uh, as Paul encourages Titus, we need to be encouraged to keep that up. And then thirdly and finally, is your hope of eternal life, the life that God has promised from ages past and is now present in Christ, is that hope what gets you up in the morning? Is that hope what drives you forward as we look forward to the coming of Jesus? And again, I know that there are people here who are very committed to that hope and to that future. So, as Paul says, may grace and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ our Saviour be upon all of us who share this common faith. Amen.